Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for today's Practice Journey podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members share their career journey, highlighting notable aha moments along their way. My name is Christina Martin, and I am the director of the New Practitioners Forum at ASHP. Today, I will be your host, and with me is Ishmael Kwawi, who is a senior pharmacist with Vital Strategies in New York City. Thanks for joining us today, Ishmael. So let's get started talking about today's topic, which is from patient care to global health, exploring a non-traditional pharmacy career path. To start out with the first question, uh, Ishmael, would you give us a little bit of background about your current practice site and professional responsibilities? Sure. So first, I would like to thank ASHP for their tremendous commitment to the advancement of pharmacy and for the invitation to speak to your listeners today. So Vital Strategies is a global health organization that believes that everyone should be protected by a strong public health system. And so we provide technical assistance to governments and civil society in 73 countries and cities around the world. Some of our work is currently focused on advocating for smoke-free environments, making roads safer in cities, and guiding governments on better use of health data for policymaking. So I work in the research division of Vital Strategies, and our team is working to generate evidence regarding shorter, more tolerable treatment options for multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, in particular through the STREAM clinical trial. And the reason this is important is because multidrug-resistant tuberculosis is one of the world's deadliest infectious diseases. Treatment options are limited. Patients with this disease can be on treatment anywhere from 9 to 24 months, taking between 12 to 24 tablets a day. So there's a rather large unmet need that this trial is helping to address. And so my responsibilities include supply chain management and pharmaceutical quality assurance. This involves working closely with vendors and suppliers to ensure medical supplies and medications are available for staff and patients. It also involves international travel to various hospitals and clinical sites to conduct inspections as well as training to the staff in Asia, Africa, and Europe. Given that many of our local pharmacists in these countries were new to clinical trial research, it was important for us to help build their capacity. So overall, the goal is to ensure that trial pharmacists are following the research protocol and adhering to good clinical practice. I'm also involved in the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force within Vital Strategies, where we're aiming to create a culture that serves all people equitably. And we're doing that by examining the implications systemic racism has on our work and programs. And in the context of global health, it's important that our teams reflect the communities in which we work. I'm proud to be a part of an organization that's willing to lean into that discomfort and commit to substantive changes by providing resources and capital to address these inequities. That's great. An important point that you brought up is that for any type of change or progress, there is some discomfort. That's what where the change happens is through those uncomfortable conversations, but we become stronger through it. I'm thinking of a, an exercise analogy to that, but let's stick on the topic of pharmacy here. So I'm curious, was pharmacy something that you were always interested in? And then kind of part two, um, while in pharmacy, had you uh, thought about exploring options beyond patient care? And in your response, can you share with us when and how you made 
the decision that it was the right time to transition from full-time patient care to your current role. Sure. Thanks, Christina. So as a pharmacy student at Florida A&M, which is a historical Black college and university, I work with marginalized populations throughout the state of Florida, including communities of color, as well as with people who use illicit drugs. And so Many of these groups are impacted by limited access to healthcare services and economic opportunities. The initial driver has always been to be a servant leader. And to me, that meant working directly with patients. I would later learn that my impact could be magnified tremendously by working on broader healthcare issues that could influence how services are being delivered. As you know, African-Americans are underrepresented in the profession of pharmacy. And so for me, it was encouraging to kickstart my residency training at the Washington, D.C. VA Medical Center, where people of color were represented across various rungs of leadership. I was surrounded by a group of preceptors and mentors that really embraced me and gave me the tools and resources to make an impact. People like Dr. Ivan Cephas valued diversity and understood the contributions minorities play in the healthcare arena. For me, the transition started to shift just a bit when I participated in a medical mission trip to Haiti, where we provided free medical and pharmacy services to residents in a small village called Chantal. This took place a few years after the 2010 earthquake, which I don't know if you can recall, but it devastated many parts of the country. And so this experience, I would say, opened my eyes to the global inequities in healthcare and led me to look for additional ways I can use my training as a pharmacist to help address some of these issues. But then I would later learn that good intentions can be harmful. Medical missions are at best a quick fix and actually don't address healthcare problems, such as systemic poverty, weak healthcare infrastructure, and in fact, reinforce healthcare disparities by providing short-term therapies that fail to address root causes. So at that point, Christina, I actually felt really guilty and decided I wanted to be a part of something more sustainable. And so I was encouraged early on by mentors to take calculated risks that would stretch me both personally and professionally. One example of a risk was deciding to go back and do a public health residency with Bristol Myers Squibb and Rutgers University after having worked as a clinical pharmacist for several years. And so I was at a point in my career where I wanted a new and exciting challenge. But don't get me wrong, it was also nerve-wracking because I honestly didn't know where it would lead. I would say that I'm extremely blessed and fortunate to have been selected for this program. And it was a remarkable experience because I lived in South Africa for half a year and worked as a consultant helping community-based nonprofits with research and healthcare management strategy in several African countries like Ethiopia and Eswatini. It was preceptors like Pungasili, Mashali, and Dr. Patty Doikis who really encouraged me to interrogate the role of pharmacy in the global space. And it's funny because as a student, I thought pharmacy meant working in the U.S. in either a retail or hospital setting. But I would later learn about industry and philanthropy and global health and realized that the skills needed to be an effective pharmacist were in fact transferable to other sectors. And I would just like to pause here and say, veering off the linear career path can be extremely frightening, but it could also be rewarding and possibly lead to an opportunity you didn't know existed. So it was that global health experience that prepared me for my current role, 
The only other pharmacist that I knew doing similar work was my former boss, Dr. Jan Kamerska. But honestly, I just took a leap of faith and I'm fortunate to have landed on my feet. That's an excellent point. The scariness, um, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but of drifting from that linear path that we think is within the pharmacy profession and we know is not there. And, um, and that's one of the aims of these podcasts is to spotlight those other opportunities and how um, not being settled with the current situation, asking questions encourages you to keep discovering, pursuing additional training or mentorship. And that's where uh, it, it just opens up doors and opportunities. So I really appreciate you sharing your journey, the different experiences, whether they were formative or volunteer related, all shaped the trajectory on where you are at this current moment in 2020. Um, so I think you've highlighted some of this, but uh, to call attention to it, uh, we all we have all had those moments in our life, on our journey, personally, professionally, that define us, shape who we are, uh, the type of practice and patient care provider that we want to be, as well as learners, those who are our learners below us and those that we may reverse mentor above us. Uh, can you describe any of your aha moments? Did you expect this? Was it a surprise? And then how did you respond? So... I was participating in a journal club and during the discussion, someone threw out a statistic about how people of color have poor outcomes compared to their white counterparts to various health conditions. And while that statement was accurate, in my opinion, it was incomplete. And I'll admit, Christina, I was dissatisfied and I sat there because I felt it was an oversimplified response to a much more complex problem. There are social and economic factors that impact health outcomes for people of color in the U.S., for people in general, such as systemic racism, conscious and unconscious bias, a lack of investment and resources in communities of color. And it was at that point that I decided to first educate myself on the drivers of healthcare disparities and I began to explore the intersection of public health and pharmacy. But then there's also a culmination of experiences that come from living and working abroad. By interacting with people from different cultures and faiths, I began to understand how interconnected we are as a global community. And it's due to the personal and professional relationships that I formed with people from all walks of life that has led me to understand and value diversity. There's a greater sense of inclusiveness and shared experiences that impact the way I interact with the world around me. I'll be remiss if I didn't say that diversity in the United States is our greatest asset and something that we should recognize and embrace. While we may be physically distant, it's important that we remain socially connected. I've been having more virtual check-ins with colleagues via Zoom and Slack. Um, at work, we're also mindful of Zoom fatigue. And so many of us have started scheduling 45-minute meetings instead of one-hour meetings just to give people that time in between to decompress and prepare for their next set of calls. I think part of it comes down to being flexible. Many of our partners are in different countries and are at various stages of lockdowns. So staying abreast of how the pandemic is impacting our partners in countries like Mongolia or Uganda is essential. I mean, I've been exercising quite a bit of patience realizing that reliable electricity and internet is actually a luxury that many of our partners don't have. 
So being mindful of this when partners aren't responsive to emails, you know, um, just taking a step back every, every few minutes. But many of us have come to the realization that we must be intentional about engaging in activities that bring us joy and excitement. And Christina, for me, that means traveling and spending more time outdoors. So I've been doing more hikes and taking more road trips, although not now I've been sheltering in place. But, you know, I think being more intentional about spending time with family and friends virtually. I mean, if there's anything to be gained from COVID-19, you know, it's learning that life is precious and that we can't take it for granted. You've given us a lot to reflect on in those answers and some very tangible actions or maybe behaviors that we can employ in our day-to-day work, uh, irregardless of what roles and responsibilities we've ho- we hold. And some of the ones you've offered, I hope our listeners reflect on those. Maybe um, they find alignment with it and maybe they'll practice one or two of those techniques, uh, getting dressed in the morning. If now you find yourself working from home or working away from your primary worksite or engaging in some of those resources that are perhaps more accessible via telehealth services that may have been challenging to access before the pandemic. Uh, But you've offered a lot to us there. I really appreciate it. So let's shift gears a little bit. The last eight to nine months have been transformational, to say the least, in regards to the global pandemic and concerns surrounding social justice. How have you responded to these changes that needed to be made in both your practice responsibilities? And then also, what changes have you made both personally and at home? Can you share with us some lessons that you have learned through this 2020 year? Sure. So I live and work in New York and New Jersey, which were hit hard with the virus in the beginning of the pandemic. And I must say, it was very challenging. I say that understanding that cases are currently rising rapidly throughout the U.S. I've had family members and friends who've gotten COVID-19, some of which were hospitalized. I was extremely concerned about how this pandemic would impact the nature of our work. I went from literally traveling every month to working full-time from home. And for a socialite like myself who loves to stay on the go, the first few months really sucked. At Vital Strategies, we've had to resort to remote monitoring activities. And so this meant rethinking how we carry out research activities without compromising patient safety, as well as the integrity or the quality of our work. And so there's been ebbs and flows, but it's been a great learning opportunity for many of us and a reminder of how essential public health systems are. In terms of the boundaries, I've found actually getting dressed in the morning And having a designated place to work or office space helpful in separating personal from professional life. I'm also a big advocate for therapy, particularly for Black men and people of color right now. I mean, I enjoy talking to my family and friends, but there's something about speaking with a trained therapist who's paid to help you unpack your issues. And for me personally, it has been extremely therapeutic. So, yeah, I've been telling friends and family, this is something that you should try, especially given how uncertain things are right now. Moving on, uh, I'm curious, in your opinion, and this may be a bit tough because you did allude to that we're recording like mid-November here and cases are spiking again. 
But where we're at now, what do you think the future of the pharmacy profession, the future of healthcare may look like? Um, how much of what we've experienced this year in 2020 should be implemented as we continue to move forward towards better patient care and towards better humanity? That's a really good question, Christina. I think remote and flex working is here to stay. I also believe that telemedicine is the future. Connecting with providers through platforms like Teladoc is already making a splash in the healthcare arena. I also think pharmacy companies like Capsule and I guess you can say now Amazon will reshape how pharmacy services are provided. I also think this pandemic has highlighted the need for more public health and pharmacy practitioners. I strongly believe we'll see more young people from different backgrounds wanting to get involved in this field to make a difference and impact the lives of people around the world. But more importantly, people are beginning to realize that you don't have to be the most experienced to get involved. I think it starts with having a growth mindset. I think pharmacy students and residents or fellows who remain curious are the ones who will be well suited to tackle the challenges of the future. Excellent. Well, we're, we're nearing the end of our time together, and I have a feeling you know, we, could, we could spend much more time conversing here, Ishmael. Is there any points or advice that you would like to share with our listeners as we're closing up our time together? Yeah. So this year, as you've mentioned, has shown us how weak public health systems can devastate families and world economies. The good news is that we have the tools and the human capital to be a part of the solution. And it's going to take innovative thinking and global collaboration to get us over the finish line. And I'm really excited about the wave of new pharmacists who are going to really shake up the profession and the healthcare industry. Absolutely. That's a wonderful point to end on. We've heard silver linings used as a sort of a buzz term of 2020, but it's true. There is a wave of opportunity that may have always been there, but it's perhaps more prevalent now with our entire uh, lifestyle being turned upside down. And I too am excited uh, while challenging for our students and our residents and our fellows to train in this environment, they are thinking and looking at the world differently uh, and we'll all come out on the better side, uh, on the other side stronger um, than we have been. Well, that's all the time we have today. Again, I really want to thank you, Ishmael, for joining me to discuss from patient care to global health, exploring a non-traditional pharmacy career path, and for sharing both your personal and professional perspectives with our listeners. We'll catch you next time on our ASHP podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official. <laughs>